Fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Look at him, kid. To infinity and beyond! It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor at all. So you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me, and my natural response could be to get offended. Well, fine, let's talk about it. Any thoughts of, of your own on this matter? Or do you, is that your thing? You come into a bar, you read some obscure passage, and then pretend you, you pawn it off as your own idea just to impress some girls? Just another American who saw too many movies as a child. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. Rudy, 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 Rudy. All right, everybody, it is the 30-something movie podcast. So happy to have you all here with us. This time around, we are discussing the 1995 German family comedy film, Rudy, the Racing Pig, or as it's known in Germany, Rheinschwein Rudy Roussel. So with me tonight to discuss this movie are Bo Warmbold. Bo, how you doing? That was disturbing. <laughs> that was like Silence of the Lambs levels of disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for that. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> Jeffrey, how are you doing? I reject your question. Oh, okay. <laughs> Starting right now. Okay. No. It's it's going to be that kind of episode. Early and often, my All friend. Right. All right. Yeah, that that's where I'm at. Okay. All right. The antagonism runs deep. Speaking of deep, Pat, how are you doing? Hey guys, I'm doing well. Good. What what cereal are you eating? So at first I was eating pistachios. Now okay. I am eating raisins. Oh, okay. All right. Here's the problem with the shelled pistachios. Yeah. Like the shells are supposed to slow you down, but I feel like I go even faster when I've got to like go through the shells. I feel like I'm yeah. like in that scene with the naked gun when they're on the stakeout and then they open the door and like all the, that's kind of what happens. Well, I you, think the shelled pistachios actually slow me down a little bit. Well, you got to eat more because you're using up calories getting the shells open. That's the problem. Yeah. That is the problem. Yeah. You got to find a way to work less. I, that also is the goal. Yeah. All right. Well, actually, we're here to talk about the movie Rudy. It's not about a German racing pig, but it is the sports movie Rudy, the inspirational football movie Rudy. Before we get started, we spoil freely here, so just be aware of that. You can, if you hear us start to talk about a movie you don't want to hear about, hit that little forward button maybe once or twice, and we should have moved on and, and uh, be back on track, and maybe don't count on that. But the other thing, well, visit we moved our website. on to a new topic, whether we're on track or not. Correct. That I would not count on. The, the train will have jumped to something else. It's not necessarily the track that we're supposed to be on, but it's the track we deserve right now. Mm -hmm. Visit our website, 30podcast.com, where you can leave a rating, a voicemail. You can become a co-executive producer via Patreon. All kinds of good stuff over there. And I am going to take a quick moment to, to share an announcement that I put out on Twitter. So if you are a listener and you are not on Twitter... I think I might have also, if I haven't yet, this will be on Instagram, this will be on all the other social medias. Basically, the post I put out was, we are turning 500 
in not too long, and we would love for you to be a part of it. So basically, there is when a When 500 hundred episodes you get look so good, you will not. Yeah. So it is, if you go to our website, there is a blog post that has the same title. We're turning 500, and we want you to be a part of it. Basically, what I'm asking for on there is we would love, I mean, this, we've said on here, this milestone is not just about us. It's about the community of people that have been listening for all the years that we've been doing this. Everybody that joins us, whether it's against your will or not, each and every week, we love you anyway, regardless. But we would love to have you involved in creating a special anniversary episode that we're going to have coming out later this year. So we're asking for your help in a couple of different ways. Number one, memories. We would love for you to share your favorite memories of listening to our show over the years. If there was some kind of laugh out loud moment that made you wreck your car on your morning commute, or there was something heartwarming that one of us said accidentally that brightened your day, we would love to know. Would that be like when somebody mixes up their movies? It could be, yes. Yeah, it could be if if you're waxing on or waxing off in... Rocky Four, or polishing a bowling ball, or when Dennis fell asleep during Gremlins Two, Dennis that was asleep. awesome. Did Dennis when, fall asleep? Guy, when Pad fell asleep, whenever <laughs> when I Pat, believe, I believe one of us had overshared about what they do on the back of a boat as well. I was just about oh to say, boy, oh that, boy, that have you, maybe you should play that clip for your band camp. Oh, that's well. Wow, we, as, as we, I understand, we, it was percussion related. Yeah, was, we uh, are playing. We are playing a nautical-themed Marauders on the High Seas pirate song. So, well, ho ho, and a bottle of rum had to do with keeping time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it and, did. And and since it's a, a naughty theme, you, a naughty theme is what you said. It is a naughty, a theme. naughty theme. Yeah, which I think is the same as nautical. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, if you have memories of the show that you'd like to share, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, If you have a favorite episode, so which one of our 499 plus episodes at that point is your one that's all about me? That actually, that was a pretty highly downloaded one. So that was me. I just kept downloading it again and again. That's kind of what I figured. Yeah. I was hoping we'd get some corporate sponsorship from that since we named it. What was the name was Choosy Moms Choose Jeff? It's very weird. It's a very weird name for an episode. It it is. Yeah. I don't remember why I named that, but. I mean, I, I see what you're go, what you're getting yeah. or going after there with the the peanut butter and all that, but yeah. I don't know. It's weird. I think that might have been back when I was drinking the cheaper scotch. It's hinky. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hinky. So you blame it all on the cheap scotch, huh? I yeah, I can blame a lot on that. You know. But yes, if you have a favorite episode, let us know. But out all the, all the movies that we've covered that have come out in the last, you know last several years or so, the ones we've covered that are 30 years old or older now, what's your favorite? Like, why did it strike a chord with you? And finally, if you've got some good inside jokes that you remember from us over the years, some we still reference now and then, and some we've completely forgotten about. But if you have a favorite joke or kind of a running gag from the show, share it with us, let us know. So there are instructions on this post that you can share on Twitter, Mastodon, Facebook, Instagram, all those places. And I've got a specific hashtag for us. So if you're going to share these on social media, it's hashtag 30pod500. So 30pod500. If you're going to share those, you can go to our website, leave a voicemail. There's a little voicemail button there. Or you can just email them to us at 30podcast at gmail.com. So we would love to hear from you. So if you've got stuff for us, send it our way. It's going to be 
probably another couple of months or so at least until the 500th comes out. I think release date for that one is maybe early December. So we've still got a little while, but we're planning on putting together some special stuff for you. So we are working on it now. All right. I think that's all I got in terms of announcements. Anybody got anything special they want to talk about before we jump into talking about Rudy? I'm good. That's that that announcement, the 500th episode, that's epic. Yeah. That's that's going to be fun stuff. Oh, I do have a quick question for you. At the time at the time of recording, this was just announced like a day or two ago, but at the time this will get released, it'll it'll be a couple weeks or so out. Did you all see the casting news for the new Superman movie? I did see something. The Henry Cavill almost lookalike? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so they've cast David Corinsweet and Rachel Brosnahan as Superman, Clark Kent, and Lois Lane. Hmm. So I don't know too much about either one of these people. I know her, probably the what show she's most well-known for is that Marvelous Miss Maisel, mm-hmm. but I have not watched any episodes of that. Oddly enough, both of them, although different episodes, both of them were on the Netflix show House of Cards with Kevin Spacey at, at different times. Uh, yeah, they were. Yeah. Interesting. But I have not, I, he does not have a whole lot of credits at this point. She has a lot, but it's been like little one-off episodes of shows that I've seen here or there. So I don't know that I've seen enough of her lately. In, ter- in the looks department, I think they both look great for the parts in terms of the actual acting chops, personality, that kind of stuff. Don't really know enough about him yet to, to be able to tell you if one or both acts like a Lois Lane or a, or a Superman. So We'll just have to wait and see. We'll find out. We'll find out. But yeah, I'm excited. I, I, I'm kind of... I follow Pat's philosophy of more blank, more better. So yeah. I, I don't I'm still I'm still a little upset that Henry Cavill is not Superman anymore, but at the same time we're we're moving on, we're moving forward. So I'm I'm gonna get on board with the new Superman and hope it's a great one too. Do we know why he's not Superman? did someone get mad at someone? Did someone post something somewhere? Did someone support a product slash candidate slash position slash whatever? No, it's what, because uh, the the new Warner Brothers executives are or morons. Okay. Yeah. Okay. To to put it nicely, no, because they decided to change course, and they've got James Gunn, who did the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. He is now in charge of all of the DC movies moving forward, and okay. so they have a whole new slate of DC multiverse movies. Okay. And his plan does not include. Henry Cavill as Superman. They're going to go with a younger Superman who's just starting out. And so Henry Cavill is not part of that plan. Even after he came back in the spoiler alert, he came back in the post credit sequence of black Adam to say that he was back as Superman, but that's, okay. not, that's not happening. Well, okay. Hey, who am I to judge? That's fine. New, new Superman moving forward. So can I just tell you that I'm not looking forward to another attempt at pulling off Superman. Are you not? No, I'm just, I'm, I'm not like the DC films just cannot seem to figure out what it is they want to do. They're trying too hard and too fast to catch up with Marvel. Yeah. And they're just, they're, they're not, they're not delivering. Yeah. Man of Steel was, was a very strong attempt and it had a lot of promise. And then they got rid of Zack Snyder. Right. 
Like, I don't know. Yeah. I just, it's hard to get excited after this many attempts at trying to do a, a movie universe and remaking things and recasting things and retrying things. It just, it's, it's hard to be a fan of all that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that they, I'm hoping they learn some lessons. I mean, I'm not going to hold my breath, but I'm hoping they've learned some lessons from the flash and kind of everything that's gone wrong with that one. And I'm hoping they pull back and do some very nice character driven stories that also happen to have some superhero action in them. But I don't know. As long as I don't know, as long as the same people are still in charge of Warner Brothers and Warner Brothers owns the DC movie universe, I'm not sure. They seem to be able to do it really well with their TV properties. I just I wish they could do it with their movies too. Yeah, is it different people in charge? Is that why you think it works for TV and not movies, or do you think it's the format for them? Like, what do you think the? I just think they feel like they have to cram too much in a two and a half hour movie. Hmm. Because they're trying to play catch up to everything that Marvel has yeah. introduced. Yeah. You know, the the first saga of Marvel was what, twenty two movies? Yeah. And DC tried to do it in four. Yeah. Yeah, just, yeah it, I that that that's not gonna work. They they flatlinered it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We know how that worked out. I can do that in four movies. All right. Well, we came here to talk a little football tonight, so if you guys are ready, we'll jump on into the trivia portion of Rudy. So this one came out on October 13th, 1993, rated PG, had a runtime of one hour and 54 minutes, directed by David Anspa, who did Hoosiers and the Game of Their Lives. Writers were Angelo Pizzo, who did Hoosiers and the Game of Their Lives. Producers were Robert N. Freed and Carrie Woods. Freed did So I Married an Axe Murderer. And Three Wishes, Carrie Woods did Godzilla, the 1998 version, and Scream. Composer was Jerry Goldsmith, who did The Omen and Chinatown. Cinematographer was Oliver Wood, did Die Hard 2 and Face Off. Face Off. Editor was David Rosenblum, who did The Day After Tomorrow and 13 Hours. The production company was TriStar. The budget on this one, $12 million. The box office, $22.8 million. CinemaScore gives it an A, and Flickmetrics gives it a 71% aggregate from the different, different websites out there, given scores. Sean Astin played Daniel Rudy Rudiger. He was in The Goonies and The Lord of the Rings. John Favreau was D-Bob. He was in Iron Man and Swingers. Ned Beatty played Daniel Rudiger, Rudy's father. He was in Deliverance and Superman. Greta Lind, I'm, I'm going to give you a little tiny bit of a, can I give you a little spoiler that's not going to spoil too, too much for the most recent season of Superman and Lois? Oh, yeah. Okay. A character shows up at one point, and his name is Otis. And I was so happy that there was an Otis. Now, unfortunately, he didn't walk around going, Mr. Luthor, Mr. Luthor. Mr. Luthor. Yeah. Mr. Luthor. Yeah. Are we going are we going to Addis Ababa, Mr. Luthor? Otis loves us. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> hey, it's that Otis. name will always trigger that line in my head. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not a good thing, but yeah. it's just how it is. Otis, my man. <laughs> Get the <laughs> death stare. Mm-hmm. Greta Lind played Mary. She was in the furnace and the basket. A lot of nouns there. Uh, Scott Benjaminson, <laughs> I don't know, played Frank Rudiger. 
He was in Forever's End and Sinister 2. Marianne Thebus played Betty, Rudy's mother. She was in While You Were Sleeping and Groundhog Day. Charles S. Dutton played Fortune. He was in Alien 3 and A Time to Kill. Lily Taylor played Sherry. She was in The Conjuring and Mystic Pizza. Christopher Reed played Pete. He was in Backdraft and Big Shots. Deborah Wittenberg played Susie. She was in an episode or two of ER and a movie called The Sky Princess. Vince Vaughn played Jamie O'Hara. He was in Swingers and Wedding Crashers. John Beasley, who actually just died maybe a couple weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, played Coach Warren. He was in The Apostle and the TV show Everwood. And Ron Dean played Coach Yanto. He was in The Fugitive and The Breakfast Club. And I want to check, because I think the guy that was at the gate when Rudy first showed up at the, the college in Notre Dame, his voice sounded just like the guy, and here's Avengers spoilers. Avengers. The first Avengers. Spoilers. Okay. The guy that when Hulk like got out of, fell off the big airship or whatever and fell through the building and he was back to Bruce Banner and he's like trying to figure out where he's at. And the guy comes up and said, are you okay, son? You just fell out of the sky and he's, you got to stay off those drugs or something like that. His voice sounded just the same. And I'm like, is that the same dude? So I'm just saying, and if they're not the same dude, then like they dude, both have some weird double. It might be a dude double, but if it is, it's like you talk about like it's a total like that guy for shaky voices trying to give someone like, son, here's a little advice kind of thing. Oh, talk to a priest. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I went to look it up real quick. And if that is the person listed as guard yeah. on IMDb, then they do not show him as being in Avengers. Oh, uh, they do show him in being Road to Perdition, Public Enemies, and a couple of other movies, the Untouchables TV series, but not Avengers, so may not be the same person. All right. He's also in, in Hoosiers as well. Right. And a really terrible horror movie that was filmed in Libertyville, Lake Forest, and the surrounding area. Oh. Called The Unborn. Well, there you go. Yeah, called The Unborn. It's a really, really huh. terrible movie. It was filmed, actually, there was a house like a block or two down from where I live. It was filmed there and then on a couple of like walking paths in in and around Libertyville, Lake Forest, this area. That's fun. Not a great movie. Something about this area does not lend itself to great movies. No, not really. Yeah. Newport South, anyone? Well, yeah. <laughs> what was that one that was really good filmed in Lake Forest, though? Well, Ordinary People. Ordinary People, ordinary people yeah. yeah. But, yeah, Robert Redford is the exception that proves the rule on that one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Good point. Good Robert point. Redford's All right. Not, I derailed. The... Robert Redford's not Go showing ahead. up in The Unborn. Or Newport okay. South. Or, or Newport South. No. So some quick trivia for this one. And if, if you guys have other stuff, please feel free to throw it out there. So a couple of interesting things. Now, obviously, this is based on a true story, but they for Hollywood, you do stretch things a little bit. In the movie, Rudy is portrayed as having largely gone into the steel industry after graduating high school. But in reality, he did serve four years in the U.S. Navy as a yeoman on a communications ship. And that never gets mentioned in the movie itself. So that was a slight departure from the real life story of Rudy. According to Rudy, he has no brother named Frank in real life. The character of Frank is all the people who ever told Rudy he couldn't do it, and it kind of rolled into one person. And then there were some interesting things around the, some of it around the, the scene where all the players drop off their jerseys. Chelsea Ross, who plays Coach Dan Devine in the movie, 
he well the actual the actual coach Dan Devine had said that the he announced Rudy would dress for the Georgia Tech game during practice a few days before and this whole scene where Rudy's teammates laid their jerseys on his desk in protest never happened and he said I I really actually don't like that scene in the movie it's it's unforgivable it's a lie and it's untrue if the players had ever done that I would have benched them for that game so he he said that that's not something that happened in real life and then apparently Joe Montana was also an active team member when Rudy played in the Georgia Tech game, and he confirmed that the Jersey scene never actually happened in real life. He also concerned he also confirmed that the carrying him off the field at the end of the game was, according to Joe Montana, was actually more of a prank rather than you know taking him off in triumph. He's, uh, Joe Montana said it was three of the biggest pranksters on the team, and they kind of did it as a little bit of a joke. So can we hold on a second there? Yeah, yeah, go for it. This was something that I wanted to to talk about at some point. Yeah. And I think it's a really weird flex for Joe Montana to to come down on this movie. Yeah. I I think. I I, I mean he's Joe Montana. Yeah. Right? And one of the, the greatest to ever play the game. Yeah, not, nothing is threatening his threatening his celebrity. I don't understand why he seemingly because he's talked about it in multiple interviews, right? It's not just like he was asked about it once. Right. He, he like he came down on this, like spent some time coming down on this movie in multiple interviews. Yeah. I just don't understand why. If you're Joe Montana, what do you care if if Rudy's story was dramatized in some way? Yeah. You're Joe Montana. Rudy never mounted to anything football related. You know, he he wouldn't be known if not for this movie. You have one of the greatest careers ever in the history of professional sports. Why are you going to flex so hard against this movie? Yeah. I haven't seen the Joe Montana things. Did he, did he say more than just, hey, this was kind of a prank. They make it a kind of this glorious thing. Because when I was looking at the... The, the, the things I didn't see anybody that said, Oh, that was more of a, pr-. I didn't see, I'm not questioning it, but I just didn't see it. Did he, did he go any deeper that, or did he just kind of call shenanigans on the carrying the player off the field type? He mostly deal? was, it seemed like he was mostly trying to downplay the inspirational nature of Rudy as a okay. player. It seemed like he was trying to downplay the, well, he wasn't so great. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Like that, and that's just, that's the take on it that I don't understand. Like, why are you going to spend your energy? You're Joe Montana. Why are you going to spend your energy trying to knock down this guy a couple of pegs? Yeah. Yeah. I Now, I did see the stuff that Coach Devine was like, yeah, the players had never laid their jerseys. That that didn't happen. I also read something that he, that when he announced that Rudy was going to play, that this described, that he was friendly towards Rudy. Mm-hmm. That, they, and he was friendly, and it was never a question of, like, trying to get, like, he was a big supporter of his, and so forth. And I read something that even said that he went ahead and agreed with that scene and have his, his character kind of misrepresented, if you will, because that would green light the movie. And he really wanted Rudy's story to be told. So he was like, well, okay, if that helps the movie get made, I'll agree to it. I I read the same type of information that he was, that he conceded to being the, being the bad guy in the movie. 
But then when the movie came out, he was really upset with how vilified he was portrayed. Yeah. I, 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 just, I, I just don't know. Like, was he not con- from the moment he said, okay, to the moment the movie was made, was he never given the opportunity to look at yeah. how he's being portrayed before? Like, did he have to sign off on anything else or was it pretty much, Hey, yeah. we'd like your character to kind of be this guy in the movie. Okay. That's fine. I would, I, I, I don't work in Hollywood. Surprise everybody. Spoiler. I don't work in Hollywood, but I would think that maybe there'd be a little bit more consultation that goes on throughout the entire process. Yeah. Maybe, or maybe it's like when it's yeah, all, it's kind know. of one of those, it's, it's all said and done and you see the full picture. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, and I, I don't, it was funny cause I wanted to bring this up as if you asked, is there anything that doesn't work about it? So I'm way jumping the, jumping the gun on this, but that was one thing when I found it out and, and boy, I, I bump on that with movies that are either based on a true story or based around a true story or influenced by a true story or, Hey, I heard a true story and I'm going to write this movie about it. Like that kind of stuff. I just get with the, well, well, why? I mean, I get, I get that we needed that powerful scene with the jerseys and I get that we needed an antagonist. But I don't know. It's like, I don't know how I feel about that when you've got this character and well, we're going to write him doing a different thing than how he would really act in real life. I, I don't know. That's always something that I'm like, ah, oh, did it have to be written that way? I don't know. I, that, that this, this is interesting, John, some of the trivia, it's giving me all sort of mixed feelings. My, my guess is he probably, and again, I also don't work in Hollywood but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Um, yeah. My guess is he probably is one of those situations where they were like, hey, do you mind if we use you for this? Yeah, I don't know. Well, it's going to help get this thing made. Well, okay. Great. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the approval. We'll let you know when the movie comes out. My guess is probably one of those deals, that it's not a big enough part in the movie that they might not have right. had the actual coach come in to do any kind of consultation or, or anything like that, So, which is unfortunate. I mean, if you're going to – if you're going to dramatize this in such a way where you're going to make the person seem like a character that they really aren't and weren't, then you'd think courtesy would be let them take a look at it just so they have a heads up. Well, all that I was able to find was that according to Dan Devine, that's not how he was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I haven't heard anyone else confirm or deny. Right. I I wasn't able to find anyone else confirming or denying that the, the nature of the relationship between divine and Rudy. Yeah. Other than the comments made by Joe Montana about the overall nature of the, of the film and the story. Yeah. Yeah. And Pat, you did get way ahead of things. So I feel like I need to have a new sound drop that goes something like Pat just preempted your question. (laughs) (laughs) What was it? What was that thing from Spaceballs? Pat has ignored your question, run directly past it, straight past the, you know, mm-hmm. straight past your question and out to the exit or something. Uh, yeah. Something. Yeah. But all right. I, yeah, I don't know. This, that one just gives me all sorts. And I guess that if we decide to, whatever way the conversation goes, okay, we get into the whole biopic or historical fiction or whatever. And it's like, okay, how much do we allow it to be bent and how much is it too much of bending of the story and how much do we sacrifice the, the fact to make the fiction more interesting. 
Well, especially when we know that Hollywood can do it right. I mean, just look at Titanic or or Pearl Harbor. Right. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And and I don't I don't mind it. And again, I don't want to be that. I've really with a movie I love. I really, really, really don't want to be that guy. And I won't be because I'm I'm still going to love this movie as much as I the first day I saw it. But I just am left with the, huh, why? I, I'm just curious, like, why? Sort of like, uh, sort of like Casino. Okay, spoilers for Casino. You have Robert De Niro and you have Joe Pesci's character and the guy smarts off to him. Or, and Robert De Niro just is like asking him, like, why are you behaving this way? And Joe Pesci goes psycho and beats the snot out of him. And Robert De Niro just sitting there just like, okay, like the Joe Pesci, like Joe Pesci, he went crazy. But I'm just like, why, why is this happening? That's kind of me. Like, I'm not going crazy about it. And I'll, there's been other movies like that. And I, I don't want to derail and just list them all. But sometimes I'm just left with, okay, well, if this is a character-driven drama, and I know we want it to be an underdog story, and, and maybe that's it. It's like, hey, we're trying to tell a story, and this is source material, as opposed to we're trying to tell this person's story, and we want to get all the characters spot on right. Yeah. You know? But then I mean, is the story is interesting? Is is a story worth telling if you stick to the facts and the facts just aren't that exciting? Well, and that's where I'm not the guy to answer that and I'm not the guy to make movies and I'm not any of that because for me, yes, I want to see it depicted kind of like, I, I want to see that, right? Like that would be interesting to me. But that's Pat Canigallo. And I, and I freely admit that I'm an idiot and I'm crazy and I'm weird and I'm, an, I'm a variant and I'm not like other people. But like I, I get that you have to do condensation of characters. I get that you have to do all that kind of stuff. But if you're going to represent someone, like that, that's a pretty big, I don't know, that's a pretty big discrepancy for me. Yeah. Not judging the movie, like you're gonna hear my thoughts when we get to like, but that kind of stuff, I'm I'm just always like, yeah, okay, well, why did we have to write it that way? Yeah. All right, you guys have any? We'll we'll probably do more trivia as we go along, but I'm gonna jump into the synopsis. We'll play the trailer. We'll get into the major moments to run through the plot of this one. Anybody have any other trivia stuff that you want to throw in before we move on to those parts? No, I think you got it. I did want to mention real quick, this is a total tangent, but kind of related to the topic that you were just mentioning. Has anybody watched Black Mirror on Netflix? Mm -mm. No. Okay. Have you watched any of it? No. Okay. It is, if you like, Dennis would love it, if you like Twilight Zone, it's like a modern version of Twilight Zone, and it's always a little bit about how technology is probably going to kill us in really terrible ways someday or how technology can go horribly wrong. And we just actually watched the new season just came out yesterday or a couple days ago. And the first episode of the new season is an episode called Joan is terrible or Joan is awful, something like that. And basically what it is, it's this woman who is watching something on, she's cycling through Netflix, pulls up this show and she's like, wait a minute, my name is Joan. And that looks exactly like me on the Netflix show. And it's actually like Selma Hayek, but it's the same. She's got the same hair and the same clothes and everything else. And she starts watching the show. And somehow Netflix has made a 
television episode of the day she just had. But it's all dramatized, and some things have been stretched a little bit for the truth to make them more interesting. And So just kind of basically, based on what you were talking about, that was kind of a fun episode to go along those same lines. Is, is, is the truth more interesting, or do you have to stretch it a bit for entertainment value? And they, they do some weird and crazy things in that episode. So if anybody wants to check it out, it's, it's on Netflix. All right. The synopsis for this one, in a world where dreams are distant, one man, played by Sean Astin, will defy odds. He is joined by John Favreau, Ned Beatty, and Charles S. Dutton. A Rudy is an underdog whose spirit soars above the gridiron. Can passion outshine prowess? Find out. It's Rudy. Ready, set, hot. After high school, I'm going to play football at Notre Dame. Chasing a stupid dream causes nothing but you and everyone around you heartache. Ever since I was a kid, I wanted to go to school here. And ever since I was a kid, everybody said it couldn't be done. I always listened to them and believed what they said. I don't want to do that anymore. Hey, kid! Not supposed to be here. Not everyone is meant to go to college. I need your help. Why should I help? I just want to be a part of this university. The nuts. Yeah, you know, a lot of people have been telling me that lately. Sometimes a winner is a dreamer who just won't quit. <laughs> hey, you guys! My son's going to Notre Dame. I'm here to play football for the Irish. God would put your heart in some of my players' bodies. You're five feet nothing, a hundred and nothing, and you got hardly a speck of athletic ability. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. A true story from the creators of Hoosiers. You ready, champ? I've been ready for this my whole life. Well, now I understand. You know, I hadn't seen this movie until last week. And now I understand sometimes, well, when I was on the football team in high school, why a couple times somebody called me Rudy. Because that line of, you're five foot nothing. <laughs> Hundred and whatever, I would have had to been like, um, hold on, you might have to go just a little bit higher than that. Might be a little more than a hundred something, but uh, yeah, not not one of the biggest or most athletic people on the football team. And uh, why they didn't make a movie about my life is because I also had a little bit more of a sense of self preservation, so I didn't sacrifice my body as much as Rudy did. So that, among many other reasons, is is why I am not inspirational. But. All right, the major moments for this one. I got this broken down into 10 major moments. First one, Rudy's Dream. It is the late 1960s in Joliet, Illinois. Rudy Rudiger aspires to play football for Notre Dame despite his lack of grades, money, and athletic stature. His friend Pete is tragically killed in a mill explosion. Rudy becomes determined to pursue his dream and visits Notre Dame. 
He's unable to enroll at Notre Dame due to academic ineligibility, but with the assistance of Father Kavanaugh, enrolls at Holy Cross College with hopes of transferring someday. He befriends Fortune, the head groundskeeper, and starts working at Notre Dame Stadium as a, he's like an assistant groundskeeper or an assistant to the groundskeeper. I did really enjoy Fortune's character, mostly because I just enjoy anything Charles S. Dutton does. I think he's an amazing actor, and I will watch pretty much any movie he's in. Mm-hmm. But I, I loved his character as the groundskeeper. That just all the ways that he would sometimes helpfully antagonize Rudy, or be there with a word of wisdom, or sometimes just sit and silently stare at him and let Rudy just talk. But thought he was a great character. I don't know nothing play, about it. I don't know nothing about. It. Yeah. I'm going to be playing football for the Irish. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Coach Parsee know about it. No, I, I'm going to go tell him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that. Yeah, yeah. Rudy meets D Bob. Rudy forms a relationship with teaching assistant D Bob, who aids him academically, discovering that Rudy suffers from dyslexia. So, with this knowledge, Rudy is able to overcome some of his learning obstacles. There is some rejection, but persistence on Rudy's part. Did he, you just say obstacles? I did say obstacles. All right. That was carry a, on. Yeah. For anybody who's a fan of Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? That's a, a reference to Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I was just listening to that soundtrack earlier, too. Oh, man, I love that soundtrack. Yeah, we can't we can't find gainful employment on account of our obstacles. <laughs> I just, I just I want to go watch that movie now. So Rudy faces a little bit of mockery from his family, particularly his brother Frank, about some of his football ambitions. Nevertheless, he does persist and doesn't let doesn't let including his girlfriend leaving him deter him. I for me this was the this was probably the hardest one of the hardest parts of the movie to watch because even in some of these stories where maybe the the family or the friends don't believe in your dream as much it, this family and friends were way more antagonistic than I think mm-hmm. most of these other underdog stories. Most of them just be like, yeah, okay, great. That's a that's a great, a great dream, Rudy. You keep dreaming that. But, I mean, this was, his father in particular was actively like, that's a stupid idea. Dreams are stupid. My dad mm-hmm. had a dream, nearly ruined him. Don't follow stupid dreams. I'm like, dang, Otis. <laughs> that was yeah. tough. I, I thought the writing with the brothers, that could be pretty accurate when you got a lot of brothers, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like that's, I could see, I could see some of that, but I did. I thought, I thought like some of the dad stuff was pretty harsh, Yeah. but that being said, like a guy like, Hey, you grow up, you work in the mill. This is a good job. You know, I don't want to see you get hurt. I don't, it, it might, it, it seemed a little, a little heavy handed when you're telling your, well, he was supposed to be 22 there, right? You know, you're telling your 22-year-old yeah. son that's been out working since high school and is looking to get married and all this kind of stuff, like, it, like, man, it brings nothing but heartache and anger to the family. It's like, okay, well, the guy's probably out living on his own right now, you know? Mm-hmm. But maybe, but now that I'm saying it out loud, maybe he was speaking more about, like, the fiancé. Like, yeah. you have this life and this is, what, what are you doing here? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where I'm coming down on that. Like I, I, I hear you and I agreed with you, but then as I got talking about it, it's like I could I could hear in, in some families like that's just where it's at, you know? Yeah. So after finally being admitted to Notre Dame and enduring rejections, he makes it onto the daily practice squad due to his determination 
and is noticed by assistant coach Yanto. Coach Parsegian's retirement, so the promise of Rudy suiting up for a game from the head coach is lost when he retires and is replaced by Dan Devine, who does not know Rudy and does not honor that promise, leading Rudy, leading to Rudy actually quitting the team for a time. Fortune reveals his past regret of quitting the Notre Dame team due to racial prejudice, and that kind of inspires Rudy to rejoin the team. And then his fellow seniors, we have that scene where they try to rally to get him to dress for the final game. We get to the final game. Rudy leads the team onto the field for last season's game against Georgia Tech. The crowd, aware of his journey, chants his name and eventually leads to Rudy playing in the game. And the final moments of the movie, Rudy's triumph is in the final play. Rudy sacks the Georgia Tech quarterback, becomes the first Notre Dame player to be carried off the field. And then in a little postscript, we learn that he graduates in 1976, inspiring his brothers to earn their college degrees as well. I believe that stuff was accurate, at least the, 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 the trivia section. I, I do understand that that ending, I think it was like three plays and not two, but supposedly he did get in there. I don't know if they like called a pass play to get it to score. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't know if it was quite as elaborate as what they showed, but I guess he did get in and played and did get a sack on the, get, did get a sack on the quarterback at the end of the game. Yeah. 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 From what I from what I read. All right. If there's nothing else, I think we have, it's time for deep thoughts. And now, Deep Thoughts. I have an opinion on this matter. Don't mince words, Bones. What do you really think? I like it a lot. Wow. It's it's very deep. Thank you. I'm going to make an assumption and say that asking you if you like this movie is kind of a dumb question. Would that be accurate? Yeah, I think that'd be accurate. All right, so let's start with this one then. What is your favorite thing about this movie? And when was the first time you saw it? We'll do, we'll Can we go, go back, back to the other question? <laughs> no. Start with this one. Start with an easy one. When's the first time you saw it? For me, it was this weekend. Okay. I'd never seen it before. Get really? out of here. Yeah, for me. Yeah. Really? Well. So, yeah, so for both the two of you, you neither of you had ever seen this before, huh? Mm-mm. No. How is that possible? I don't know. It was always on my, my list of sports movies to watch. And just for some reason or another, I well, I've, and I've mentioned before, my dad was not a Notre Dame fan. Mm-hmm. So that was, it was not likely that we were going to be watching this movie in our house growing up. But yeah, it's, it's always been on my list of sports movies to watch. And then just for some reason or another, I never got around to it. Yeah, heard a lot about it over the years. Knew a bunch of people who were big Notre Dame fans and they would always talk about it, but I just never never got around to it. I think it's one of those, you hear about it so often, you already knew so much about it just from all the people talking about it Yeah, that you sort of just never had that, that's what I'm looking for. You never had that drive to see it because you already felt like you knew the movie because people talk about it a lot. And so, so I don't think it ever rose it? to the level of, gosh, I got to see this because everyone's talking about it. I already know. Right. Yeah, so right. now that you, Pat, I'm, I don't mean to be rude, but I'm not as interested in your opinion as, as these other two. <laughs> I was going to say, Jeff, we should take a seat back. I really yeah, want to hear like, your reaction. Like, talk. Yeah, yeah, please, yeah please. tell us. Well, like, So now that you've seen it, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts? Oh, Wow. Did it live up to the hype? Did it live up to the expectations? What took you by surprise? 
What were you Unfortunately, were you I don't I don't details. think it lived up to the hype of really? years of hype. Why not? Um, what was I don't it? Know. That- it I felt like I'm watching this movie and I'm going, all right, everyone loves this movie. And I'm, it felt like another inspirational sports movie. It didn't, nothing registered as, and not to say I didn't like the movie. It was fine. It was an inspirational sports movie, but what it didn't do for me that it seems to do for a lot of people is push over that edge of inspirational sports movie into something special. Does that make sense at all? Like, was, was this maybe one of is? Could it? Have, could this be a case? Uh, I hear what you're saying. Could this be a case of kind of inspirational sports movies kind of follow a certain mold? And like maybe this. I don't know how many inspirational sports movies came out before this one, but like if this was one of the early ones, maybe you've seen all the ones since then. So like now the the, the could it be? Do you get where I'm sure. going with that? Yeah, it definitely could be that this created something that since then I've seen so much of it doesn't really peg the needle for me. You know, mm-hmm. I could totally see that. It def, I mean, it, it, beautiful movie, like the definitely a, the thing I meant to go look at and haven't, and maybe you guys already know like the stuff, the on-campus stuff, did they shoot it on campus? Yeah, a lot of it they did. Although, so this is where I, I wish that that Katie was feeling better because she was planning on joining us on this podcast. Yeah. She's a graduate of Notre Dame. Oh, nice. So there, <laughs> there were a couple of times when I tried watching this movie with her. And I, I've got a big issue with people that talk during movies. <laughs> like, oh. like, I just, I struggle with, with that. Like, I'm, I want to watch the movie. I don't want to... I don't want the commentary. I don't want the questions. Just watch the film with me. And then finally, I just sort of relented once and said, I will go into this movie with you. We will put it on and you can tell me whatever you need to tell me about this movie. And while filled on, filmed on campus, there were many, many shots that were edited to look a certain way. Okay. Such as like, if he's sitting here, then that would not be in the background. Or if he's standing there and looks up, he That's would not, right. he Isn't would not a, see it. Yeah. He would not see this at that from where he is. There's a um, famous one of those that everyone complains about. Isn't there? Oh, what is it? I can't remember now, but yeah. Okay. Now that you say it, I do remember hearing something about that. Like, I think if he's, he's sitting by one of the lakes and then like it cuts to him looking up and seeing something else or something. She was like on campus, that view isn't there. Got it. Okay. So it was a lot of that sort of thing. They, they really, they, you get a couple of great shots of the golden dome, mm-hmm. a couple of great shots of touchdown Jesus. Well, you gotta have those. I don't think there were any shots of jump, Mary jump. Not that I, not that I recall. I do think it definitely felt like at times a love letter to that campus. I mean, some yeah, of the shots, like when he walks on campus, that first scene and that music's playing in the background, like, look, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, the first time I walked on in that campus, it is a gorgeous campus. It is a beautiful campus. I am. Mean, it's definitely someplace that I would, I would go just to walk around. 
mm-hmm. for sure. If I had the opportunity, absolutely. It is a beautiful, beautiful place. It's just that the way that they edited the film. Sure. It's not as conveniently laid out as, as the film would have you believe. So I'm kind of along the same lines as Bo. Like for me, I, I hadn't seen this until last week and I, as I was watching it, although I think I, I might've had a little bit of a different reaction than Bo did. I think that still watching it, I was like, man, this is a great movie. Like, this is a great inspirational sports movie. Now I did have to make a conscious effort to tell my brain, okay, I need you to forget that you've watched a bunch of other inspirational sports movies that have come after this. And imagine that you're sitting here watching this and it's 1993 and you know, you haven't seen, remember the Titans and you haven't seen miracle and you haven't seen like a bunch of these other movies, you know, this one coming before a lot of those is this, this being the precursor to some of those. And you had some before this, you know, Rocky and, and, you know, a bunch of other sports movies. But, you know, I think as I'm watching, I'm like, man, this is a great movie. Like there are so many like inspirational moments. Sean Astin, I thought was great in this movie. I mean, he was absolutely being the main character. He should be, but he was my favorite part of the movie. Just loved him as a character. Thought he was, you know, having having been somebody, and I'm not, as I said earlier, like I'm not placing myself on the same level as as a Rudy. But you know, there were so many things that I saw in him, where like when I was in high school playing football, I for because I was not the biggest and I was not the most athletic on the football team. I was actually one of the smallest on the football team. I spent the vast majority of my time on the practice squad, getting beat up so that the varsity players are are ready for. Friday or Saturday. So I saw I saw a lot of kind of personal personal connection there too. And and I just I love football and I I miss my body doesn't miss playing football, but my brain misses playing football and my heart misses playing football sometimes. So any chance to get to see something that I feel like I have somewhat of a connection to, even if it's not a college that I went to, I just really loved really loved the movie and just I loved all of the inspirational parts of it but but I did have to 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 Bo's point I did have to kind of make a conscious effort to be like I want to watch this and forget that I've seen all these other inspirational sports movies because having seen so many of them I am afraid that I will not give this movie it's it's due if I'm comparing it to all these others and I'd rather just watch it on its own merit and so I did I did have to make a conscious effort to do that while watching it but yeah I, I really enjoyed it I, I enjoyed a lot of the, I enjoyed all the supporting characters, even the awkward family situations. I thought Ned Beatty was great as his dad, you know, loved the groundskeeper. D-Bob was so much fun. So confident until, until a lady opens their mouth and then he can't talk around anybody. What was the, what's the name of the character in the Big Bang Theory who couldn't talk to girls? Raj. Raj. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So D-Bob was a bit of a Raj as soon as a, as soon as a, Lovely lady starts talking, then he completely shuts down. I thought that was kind of a funny scene. But, yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed this movie. So I'll throw that question back to Jeff and Pat. What is your favorite thing about this movie? Oh, Lord. I'm, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'll be I'll be Pat to it, and I'll, I'll claim the music. Okay. Mm. Love the music from this yeah. movie. Very good. It's very... It's, it's fantastic. It's Which... Weird. The music in the trailer is not music from this movie. 
Right. It's, yeah. it's very similar. Having listened to it enough, I can tell that the melodic lines are similar. The themes in the music are similar, but it's not what the, the finished product of the movie was. Yeah. But I really, I enjoy, I enjoy the music. I, there was a day at work back when my classroom was shared a wall with another teacher. We had, and we had a, a common doorway between our two rooms. And she was a fan of University of Miami hurricanes, mm -hmm. she and her husband. And there's a longstanding rivalry between Notre Dame and Miami. Harkening back to the, what was the, the nickname for the game? The Catholics versus convicts game. Yep. <laughs> so they were slated to play each other again. So as a precursor to the game, I opened up the door between our two rooms cranked up my stereo and just played the Rudy soundtrack all day. Nice. <laughs> that was a fun moment. But yeah, I, I dig, really dig the music. I think John, like you said, Sean Aston was phenomenal mm -hmm. in this movie. He really brought it in a big way. I really liked his characterization. He really seemed to understand the struggles that they were trying to portray for the character. The, the moment when he just, he had nothing left to give and he wanted to quit. Like, I think he just, I think anyone that works towards a dream or goal, sometimes you just need that moment where you just can't do it anymore. And you have to allow yourself that opportunity to say, I failed. I'm done to be able to regain a little perspective and motivation. And I think he portrayed that moment incredibly well. And if I had to guess, just his his boundless optimism in this movie, and, and you know, in other movies he's in too, but I mean, think this one in particular. If I had to guess, my guess is this is the movie that somebody watched and decided, hey, we need a Samwise Gamgee for Lord of the Rings. That's the kind of person we need to play this character who's going to walk with Frodo through hell for lack of a better term, you know, no, I, either, either this or Goonies. Right. Yeah. You didn't think it was Encino man. Well, I mean, you got the, it, that, that's a good buddy movie too. Yeah. Patrick, what, uh, what about you, man? What, what, what do you draw to in this movie? Well, I'll be really honest with you guys. And John, I kind of share what, what you had said in your reaction to it. First, when this came out, I think we all went and saw it in the theater. And I'm not a big college football fan. I'd be a pretender to say anything, anything different. But I know that like my mom's family growing up, like we all watched NFL and pro football and all that, but they also were big into college football as well. Notre Dame was the school. In fact, my uncle and my grandfather both really Notre Dame was where they wanted to go and play ball for. And, and there were reasons that they were not able to make that happen. But yeah, Notre Dame was we by descent were or by ancestry were pretty big Notre Dame fans. And again, like by the time it got to us, like the games would be on mom would take a passing interest in it and all that kind of stuff. And to say I'm more of a fan 
that would be would be false, right? That would be kind of like a bandwagon jumping thing. But Notre Dame was big in our house and mom, my mom's house, especially growing up. And so when this movie came out, we all went and saw it and we're taken by the story and the whole thing. And it's funny because I've, I've, I've anytime it's on, I watch it or every couple of years, oh, I got to watch Rudy and all that. And it was really, especially in the last, this rewatch, it really occurred to me that there's a lot in this movie that I can identify with. I never played football other than kind of like the Sandlot movie that we talked about. Like that was what we do. We'd go play football on a street somewhere or some a park somewhere and all that. But I never played like in, foot, in college or high school or any of that kind of stuff. But going, my experience, like going to college and music and, and trying to figure out how to play the trumpet and all that, there's a whole lot in this movie I identify with. And it was this most recent watching where, man, just almost scene for scene, it really gave me all the feels. And, and it was kind of like a trip down memory lane because it's just like, wow, this, I, I find a lot that I can kind of identify with in this story. And it, it really hits with all the feels and it, it really puts me in a kind of a, kind of a retrospective mood, you know, kind of thinking, thinking, thinking back on a lot of stuff in my life and kind of how I ended up who I am and what I kind of experienced going through school and all that. And so just on an emotional level and a core level, I, I really, there's a lot I really identify with in this movie. So yeah, that's all I got to say about that. Is there anything, Pat, you, you kind of started talking about some of this a little bit earlier on. Is there anything in this movie that does not work for you? For me, no. I love it all. I, the, the stuff I said I bumped on before was kind of like stuff that just makes me go, hmm, well, w- why do that when we're talking about like a historical thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it might sound like semantics and not matter, but it's kind of like almost do something like you did with Memphis Bell. Just make up fictional names for the characters, right? If you're going to do that, but if you're going to tell, if you're going to put Coach Divine in your movie, then make it true to the to the real person. And if you don't want to do that, that's fine. Then just come up with a fictional character. Is kind of what I would say. But no one's hiring me to write movies. They're hiring these guys to write movies. And this movie made some serious money. And thirty years later, we're all talking about it. So who am I to judge? But for me, I I don't really fault this movie with anything. Like I said, I get very taken by this when I watch it. Yeah. Memphis Bell, another Sean Astin movie too. There you go. There you go. I I agree with Pat in that I really, there's really nothing in this movie that I don't bump on. And I think when I first, starting from when I first saw it, which would probably would have been in college by the time I got around to seeing it. But I, I, I think I knew to take it with a grain of salt and not believe that everything that was going to be depicted in the movie was going to be the the God's honest truth. So I don't, I guess I, I don't take umbrage with the idea that some things were falsified or over-dramatized or characters were written a little bit differently than how they were. I just, I just kind of expected that going into it. 
But you know, it does, it does beg the question, how much is too much? Where do you draw the line at playing with the facts to where the story you're trying to claim is true is barely close to true? You know, how far do you push it before you end up with a product like the movie of Pearl Harbor? Like, I don't know. I think, you know, it, it's a cautionary tale of you just have to be really careful of how much you're willing to bank on the truth versus change. I think there was a, a horror movie called Strangers. The Strangers, does that sound right? Yeah. Like people in masks kept knocking on somebody's door. Yeah. And, you know, the they had a thing on there based on a true story. And when researching, I learned that the true story it's based on was that the, either it was the writer or, or whoever came up with the idea once had somebody come to their house when their parents weren't home. Mm -hmm. And that mm -hmm. was it. That's the true story that that movie was based on. Based on a true story. Bunch of strangers show up to your house wearing masks. It happens Halloween to be October thirty first, yeah. and they're asking right. for like, candy. Uh -huh. yeah. So, like, did we just make the movie of strangers with candy? Yes. There you go. So I think, yeah, I, I think you have to be careful when you're trying to portray a true story or based on true events. Well, what exactly does that mean? Yeah. No, I, I hear you. And that's like I said, those sentences can be like, those statements can be totally, totally fudged or, or, you know, like written while watching a true story on TV. You know, it's kind of like, I don't know. I think Hunt for Red October does it best. According to the Pentagon, nothing about, nothing of what you're about to see ever happened. Like that's the best way to write it. Cause there's so many layers in that one. I, I think that the Hunt for Red October does that right. But not to, not to be too facetious with, like the serious point you're making, Jeff, like I, I totally hear you. And I, I, I totally agree. Well, I'm glad you agree. Cause I was, that was my way of agreing with you. So yeah, there it is. That, that'd have been awkward if you didn't agree with me when I was trying to agree <laughs> yeah. with you. Which means I don't agree with myself. I'm so conflicted. Something tells me, Pat, that happens more often than you'd admit. <laughs> But did the yeah. luck dragon really show up and get the bullies? That's all we not. That, that's, that's what we want to know. The question that must be answered. And 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 would I know it if it if it did? And, and right. you know what? And seriously, again, I I'm careful because like yeah, I understand you got to condense a bunch of characters into one. And yeah, there was no brother Frank, but he was this. And okay, maybe the father was a little harsh and and all that kind of stuff. But then you get like those scenes that, and I have lived this. You go walking down that hallway and you go and you look for that piece of paper and all you want to do, you just go down your last name and you're just looking for your last name and boy, alphabetical order. It's like you skip right over and you're just like, I mean, like that, that is crushing. But watching this movie, especially this time, I got all the same feels. I got like that same, like, like acidic taste in the back of my mouth, like in my mouth when it was just like, oh my God, like I could feel that. Even the hallway looked the same as oh, there's a hallway where like you you go looking for those pieces of paper. Hey, I'm I'm really sorry. Try again next semester. Well, I don't have that many semesters left. Yep, too bad. You know, mm -hmm. like I, I mean, that like I'm sorry, this bus isn't for you. Like I felt that man. Like that's just like yeah, I'm I'm sorry, this isn't for you. Well, I I think it could be. No, you're wrong. 
okay. You know, like that. I'm going to, I, I'm sorry guys. I mean, maybe some of the smoke's coming in here cause I'm getting a little bit, you know, my, my, my eyes are getting a little moist here, but like that scene where he's just like, what else can I do? Like just sitting there, like I, I have done like everything I can, you know, this is just like, I think that mo- this movie just captures and you're right. It's Sean Astin the way he plays it. But like these scenes, it's just like, you know, I'm already like hardly sleeping at all. Right. Cause he's, he's falling asleep in the library. Cause he's studying, he's doing everything he can. He's up early training. He's doing all these things. And it's and he, just like, okay, father, what, what else, what else can I do? And then it's got him and he's lighting all the novena candles. I love that scene. I love that scene when he's still like, and you see him lighting one candle and the camera pulls back and he's, he's, they're all lit, you know? And he's just, he's just sitting in the church. Like, like I will literally do everything or well, anything. That, that grotto is on, is on campus with all the, okay. the, the outdoor one. That one oh, is on campus yeah. and you can go and you, 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 you can light the, the candle and you can, and have a moment of prayer and reflection there. It's, it's, it's one of the more beautiful places oh, it looks on campus, but like that and the candles stay lit. So who knows who lit what candles, but yeah, it's, it, it's a really gorgeous, gorgeous place on campus. Yeah. I want to go back and figure out the music when he's in his final, his final, I've got to get into school this semester or I'm out. And he opens the letter. The music that's playing is ominous. It's like bells chiming. And it's, and, and I, I know we come back to this. It almost sounds like the opening, like couple fragments of the DSE array, but then there's a couple of the notes flip. And I wonder if, and I got to go back and like work it out and see but it's almost like they invert the melody. Like they'll, they'll take a note up an octave as opposed to down. Like it's the DS area, but they flip a couple of notes backwards. They invert it. So it sounds different, but it, it just, when he's sitting there and the camera's pushing in and he's sitting on that park bench and it's just building and the bell's chiming and it's, it's just, it, the music is like so ominous. And then all of a sudden he's accepted. And then the music just releases all that, that tension. And he's, you know, he gives that line, Oh, thank God. You know, it just, that's just, it's just fantastic. But the music at that scene is just, just builds that intensity so well. All right. Do you guys have anything else before we go into three questions? I'll just say that here's what I've learned in being a Notre Dame fan. Being a Notre Dame fan is very polarizing because there are either people that say, yes, go Irish or quite the opposite. (laughs) I won't get into language that I've heard, but Quite the opposite. It's very, it's a very polarizing thing. I like Pat. I'm not all that into college football. I've gotten more into it because of being with Katie. When we started dating, we started dating in the summertime. And she told me that first fall we were together that just so you know, Notre Dame football is big with my family. Oh, oh, okay. That's fine. It shows no. Every week we rotate who hosts a football watching party. So if you're into football, great. If not, maybe consider getting into it, or you may not see me too much in the fall. <laughs> so I was like, ah, you know, what the heck? I'll go to a couple of these parties. And it ended up being a year that they went undefeated, which really did a lot for helping me become a fan. But yeah, it's a it's a polarizing fandom. Like there are people that will despise 
Notre Dame. And a lot of it has to do with more the, because their, their lack of joining a conference. They don't, they don't want to join a conference. They want to remain independent. They have this mega deal with NBC to broadcast their games, blah, 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 this, that, and the other. But yeah, it's, it's polarizing, but it has brought me into the college football world a little bit, especially to the point now where like Jason Colvin and I will send messages back and forth on, on some Saturdays as our teams are playing and just, you know, different things happening around college ball, which is fun just to be able to have some of those conversations. But yeah, it's a well, polarizing, it's a polarizing fandom. And it's, it's funny. Cause I think that scene with it early on, and I thought of this last week or when, when you mentioned John, you're like, I am not a Notre Dame fan because like my dad would never allow it. That scene where they're all getting their food and he's like, what are we watching? Isn't there the game on? Put the game on. And the yeah. kid's like, Mr. Rudiger, sir. Yeah. Can we please turn? And was it Penn state? Can we turn on the Penn state game? And he's like, there's only one football team we watch in this house. <laughs> I mean, it's just like that, that, and Jeff, you obviously have real experience with it. So I'm not going to say like, Oh, well the movie backs that up. But I mean, th- that was cool that you see that, that part of the fandom in this, like, yeah, we're not, we're not switching over at halftime. Like we only watch one team. Mm-hmm. So it's not even like the kid's not even asking for you to cut away from the game. Right. Like it's just, we don't turn on another team in this house. And there's obviously a flip side to that too, but it's, yeah, it's crazy. It's like if the matrix only had one pill and if it was gold. Right. Right. Now, you know, if if you all ever get a chance to, to go check out the campus, you absolutely should. If you ever, ever get a chance to go on campus during game day, even better because it's a whole day event and the marching band, Pat, you would love it. The marching band does so much yeah. as a preparation for cool. uh, for the game. They have, and there's a lot of of history, a lot of tradition, and a lot of things that go on before before the game. The trumpets in the rotunda is one of the most incredible music experiences I've ever ever so heard. Cool. It was it was amazing. But so yeah, cool. I mean. I would I would encourage anyone to go check out a game at Notre Dame sometime. Stay out of the way of the of the guard though, because they will run you over. All right. It's time for three questions. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Real quickly, I do want to apologize for going silent there for several minutes. Jeff, you did not tell me who the lead actor was in the movie The Strangers, so I got lost for a moment. I apologize. Hmm. Oh, we'll let it go this time. It's okay. I needed a moment. <laughs> y'all, I, I, are y'all better now? I'm. I'm fine. I. I was starting to pull a pat with a. Okay, question number one. 
Speaking of the stranger, never mind. Anyway, that's a whole other thing, Pat. Different podcast. Are we talking about the Camus book or the Billy Joel song? We're on the boat, John. Oh, just ask the questions. All right. Well, hard to port. Okay. Hard to starboard. Hard is right. Hard to port. Uh huh. Wow. All right. Question number one: Who is your favorite college football player of all time? I'll make it easy for Pat. Like I just don't know enough about college ball. Like I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. Pat just rejected your question. Does Forrest Gump count? Sure. Oh, I was gonna say Forrest Gump. I'll let you choose a fictional player if you want to. Can we pick our favorite NFL player for when they were back in college? Uh, sure. Or is that cheating? No, that's fine. That kind of that might lean into question number two, but I'm such a band guy right now. That's fine. I don't know. It's okay. <laughs> Who is your favorite college football marching band, Pat? Is that a better oh. question? Oh yeah, favorite yeah. marching band, Pat. Go. Oh, geez. yeah, great. How, how many counts can we put in the spreadsheet? Well, one, if you're everybody except for Jeff. Okay. Jeff oh, I guess it would be rows, not columns. Yeah, Jeff will do at least three okay. or four. All right, so you guys, you guys, you college sports fans, you you got you to gotta ante up. Who do we got? Well, you name-dropped Jason Colvin a minute ago. He would know exactly, or I think he'd know exactly who my pick is. I got to go with Ricky Williams from the Texas Longhorns. Very nice. He was a joy to watch. Unfortunately, you didn't say, unfortunately, not in the NFL, but he was a joy to watch in college. Glad you didn't say Johnny football. Yeah, no. Johnny <laughs> football. Yeah, that's not happening. Oh, I haven't thought about that name in a long time. Nobody, neither is anybody else. Uh-huh. True. That, that is true. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's what he deserves. Mm. Yep. So I don't, I don't have the history and knowledge of college football players, at least prior to that of the last few years. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go and say a quarterback out of Northern Illinois University by the name of Jordan Lynch. Mm, very nice. Okay. Jordan Lynch was remarkable at what he did, and it's a shame, a shame that he never got picked up professionally. Nice. Bo, what do you got? It's a tough one just because I, a bunch of names swirl around in my head. But I think what I'm going to say is I, Rahib Ishmael played for the Michigan Wolverines many moons ago. He was just fun to watch. He was a kick returner. Mm-hmm. I've always, the analog to, what Devin Hester did in in the pros, you know, just yeah. watching a guy where it's him against everybody else running at him in the wall. Something about watching a really good kick returner has always been, always been cool. Yeah. All right, Pat, marching band. What do you got? Well, we're close enough. If I don't say the Madison marching band, right. I mean, those guys are, especially they're and I'm t- Mike LaCrone. I think that guy was like, in his nineties and still directing the marching band and like would come in on a trapeze and spinning around and so, like, he'd do all sorts of acrobatics and the band and the whole deal. And so that one, that one immediately springs to mind, but I'm sure that there's, there's so many great bands out there and 
like you mentioned, what Notre Dame does. And, you know, when you've got that aspect of it working in harmony with the group, with the, with the team, that's, that's pretty awesome. So. I feel like yeah, I'd seen some, I feel like I'd seen some like YouTube or TikTok videos of the Ohio state marching band. And then, Oh like, they yeah. Were Ohio state, the Ohio state, stuff. you know? Yeah. They're, they're, they're pretty awesome. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you get to different parts of the country and you get different traditions and different um, right. styles of music and styles of marching. And I mean, it's, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of great, great stuff out there with that. Yeah. All right. Question number two, whose football jersey would you want to wear? If you were going to go out and buy a football jersey or if somebody was going to gift you one, what player? It could be college or NFL. Doesn't matter. I've got I've got a Singletary jersey. Mm. That's um, pretty good. Maybe maybe McMahon or Peyton. Yeah, Walter Peyton's a good one. Walter Peyton would be that'd be a great one. That'd be a great one. I'm I'm gonna stick to my old standbys. I'm gonna go Emmett Smith. I used to have an Emmett Smith jersey and wore it until it basically disintegrated. And I've tried to look up and see if I can get another one at this point, and not unless I want one of the children to maybe not go to college someday. Mm-hmm. College. Overrated. Yeah. Indeed. We'll, just, we'll send them into the priesthood, and then maybe they can sign up for the college that's in the same town and just work really hard, and we'll go that It's a route. plan. Yeah. I- I will comment on the validity of said plan, but it is a plan. The Rudy plan for higher education. <laughs> you think I want to be a priest? That was awesome. That was a great. That scene. was great. That was and the the way it was played. How long have you thought about this all my life? I've when my ah, your friend died. Okay, okay. Some yeah. escaped to the cloth. Wait, what? 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 <laughs> yeah. I. You know, it's interesting. What jersey would you wear? I mean, I guess there's different ways to think about that. Like, because sometimes it's easy to let that hero worship of sports players go a little bit awry. So it's like, who's, so I'm thinking about like, who are the, like the stand-up guys that would be like, man, I want to wear this guy's number. Right. And I, I think, I think around the league like that, you know? Yeah. Obviously like a Walter Payton or like a Pat Mahomes. I mean, I think that guy's pretty awesome and a pretty class act on top of it, you know, for all the times that I hang out with him, Right. Like, like I, but it just seems like super impressive and Pat, I still um, have my Jersey from high school. I would let you wear mine if you want. I would. That's what, that was the next thing I was going to say is I, I want a John Reed Jersey. Only if um, I could wear bows. There it is. I don't have one from high school, but it was, you know, but I, I am, I, I am a green Bay fan. So, I mean, it's like, I would, there's a, uh, well, Pat, it's been nice having sorry. you here. Yeah, I, I know. feel like Pat's audio was cutting out there for a moment. Hang on, guys. I'm sorry. I, I, I just, I, I can't. The number of Super Bowl wins and NFL championships and all that, it's, it's clogging my ears. Can you repeat what you just said? I just can't hear you. Say, That's can you speak into the? Okay. What would you like to do next? <laughs> can you speak up? I'm sorry, I can't hear that. I, just say that one more time. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just put it this way. <laughs> Let's put it this way. After after an NFL game, the Bears get to go back to Chicago. The Packers have to go back yeah. to Green Bay. Okay. I'd much rather okay. go back home to Chicago. Okay, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. Uh-huh. 
And 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 what I love is that you have to explain the disc because that makes the disc hit that much harder is when you have to explain it. So I, just, that I figured I, I needed to explain it because I figured you were half asleep at this point. Okay, that's a good point. That's a good point. Dude, you had to explain it because he's a Green Bay fan. Well, that's probably true. Too. I I you know, but the, I but find this happens hard... a lot with Green Bay and White Sox fans. So. Yeah, I know. I get that. I get that. I, you know what, but, but you know what, it's kind of funny is it is when you look at it and it's just like, you look at some of those players and it's like, yeah, I'd like to wear this guy's number because he plays real well. But then it's just like, you're going off and running your mouth and it's just like, oh my gosh, like, I can't, I can't get with that, you know? So I don't know. I don't know. That's, that, that, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I got nothing else. Yeah, whatever. Okay, well, Pat's no longer on this podcast. Question number three, uh, what was the hardest class you took in college? Uh, it doesn't have to be college. What's the hardest class you took in school? Mm. Calculus. Mm. I, I never even took calculus. Calculus is pretty hard. <laughs> Math and I parted ways long before that. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was a... Uh, yeah, it was a math class. Man, I remember, I remember, like having a solid thirty-two percent in the class. Ooh. Yeah, I had a test. I got a twelve percent on one time. Ouch. Yeah, I think it's funny that the teacher actually graded it and gave me the percentage. You know, there was a there was a slight disconnect between what was being taught and what was being cons- in my head. Like it just it it wasn't working. Yeah, I was uh, definitely question number three material. PLC question three. I was definitely that. Oh yeah. In 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 that math class. What do you do when they don't know? Yeah. Yeah. Mine. I got to give it a tie between two classes, and one I probably should have dropped in college, and did not, and the other one I definitely dropped in college in favor of a different science class. Yeah, I was pretty much done with math by the time I got to college. I'm like, I have no interest mm-hmm. in continuing on with any kind of math whatsoever. It's my freshman year. I'm I'm I gotta take some science classes, even though that's not what I'm interested in. I wanna get into the journalism classes. And so they're like, Oh yeah, you gotta take a science. I'm like, all right, fine. So I'm like, I love planets. Let's do astronomy. So I sign up for the astronomy class and I and I check to make sure. I'm like, so I just want to make sure. Just walk me through this one more time. This is the like the entry level astronomy class. You like, there's nothing. I'm not going to be calculating parsecs or anything like that in this class, right? <laughs> and they're like, oh yeah, no, no, no. This is totally fine, totally fine. I said, okay, because there's astronomy 101 and this is astronomy 121. Like, what's the difference? They're like, oh, there's not really any difference between these two. It's totally fine. Yeah, not totally fine. I get into this. And- <laughs> Not at all. I, I get into this, and and immediately, I, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up our our old favorite here. It was my understanding that there would be no math. Yeah, in this astronomy class. Yeah, no. It there was all kinds of calculations. There was all kind of lowest grade I've ever gotten in a class in my entire life. I hated that class. Should have dropped it. Didn't know any better. It it really brought down the GPA quite a bit. There was that one, and there was the class that I did actually enjoy was a science class that was all about bugs. And I made the mistake of, and I hate bugs, but it was an interesting class. I signed up for the version of the class in which you had, like, the extra special attention from the professor. And so I signed up for the, the wrong, I was a bit too lazy to have signed up for that class. So definitely signed up for the wrong section. And the test that they gave us, 
I cannot even remember how many of the Latin names of bugs we had to have memorized for that test. I remember taking the test, walking out of it, and going, well, I'm dropping that one. <laughs> and I think I dropped it in favor of, like, a like earth science <clears throat> class. Mm-hmm. So I got out of that one pretty quickly. But those two classes, the and I've taken Latin before, so it's not like I didn't know it. It's just I got to the test, and I was like, oh, I can already tell I'm about to fail this one. Oh, this Latin. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> See, I know the pig Latin. I don't remember it's... this Latin. Oh, you didn't tell me we were going with, like, Latin, Latin. I, I, ironically, I got to the test in the bug class, and I was like, wow, sometimes you are the windshield, and sometimes oh. you're the bug. And I was the bug in that case. Oh. It wasn't pleasant. I, I so, like, math class, that one, there was, well, that one in high school. The hardest, like, music class, I, I think it was form and analysis, where you had to break down pieces of music and analyze them and describe what was happening quarterly and yeah. what was happening melodically and why and where, and it was just, and it was so hard that each week the teacher would, he would just come in and like the tests would just get slammed onto the desk and he'd just be like, okay, you want the lecture now or later, you know? And it was basically because none of you deserve to be musicians kind of like the thing. And then eventually he just started giving us a spelling test at the beginning of every test just to give us some extra points. So it was just like, we'd have 10 questions, spell Allegro, spell Forte. And it was just basically giving us 10 free points because our grades were so low. He was trying everything he could to help us get through because we're just, it was just like, okay. I know. Let's have a spelling contest. That's what it was. Yeah. I think the class I struggled a lot with, it was a 400 level philosophy class. Oof. And I don't know how I ended up in this class. It was a philosophy of education class. Double wolf. But a a 400 level philosophy class. And I spent like, I don't know. It it was a struggle, man. Like, does Katie know you're in that kind of, you're into that kind of pain? (laughs) I I, I didn't know I was into that kind of pain. Was this a requirement or did you lose a bet? Why would you take that class? I I, I think that that's my favorite right there. There there must have been some sort of requirement component to it. Well, like I had to take a philosophy class of some kind, and that's just mm-hmm. the one that worked with my schedule. Yikes! But yeah, it was it was a rough go for the first half of the semester, mm-hmm. and then I I think once I finally out loud said. I don't have a clue what the hell is going on. <laughs> the professor looked, the professor then looked at me and said, well, now you're getting it. Okay. But yeah, it was just like, it was for someone that is very black and white in terms of learning, mm-hmm. living, living in a class that just lived and breathed in the gray area. That was really tough for me. A philosophy class. Philosophy of education. I don't know if I've ever taken a philosophy class. I was a religious studies minor, so I took several philosophy classes, but... Right, right. Not at the I 400 don't... level. Yeah, I just... I didn't own any black turtlenecks, so I decided <laughs> not to take the classes that far. <laughs> I don't I don't have the dress code figured out, so I can't be in this class. No, 
know. No. Oh man. All right. Yeah, I mean, other than the math classes, of course, that would have been the yeah. Oh man, that's the tough one. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you, gentlemen, for being here. If you want to find more of our episodes, head over to 30podcast.com. We've got tons of other episodes over there, so go make sure you go check those out. Find a movie that you enjoy. We've got plenty to choose from, so head on over that direction. Coming up here in the next couple of months or so, our this kind of finishes off our fun and games month with a bunch of sports movies. So we're moving into August and then September. If you want to get ahead and see what we're doing for the next couple of months, here's our slate of movies. So in August, that is our family and relationships month. We've got my life into the West, the good son, Indian summer and Adam's family values. Our Patreon episodes for August are crawl from 1983 and our Patreon shorts are Super Mario Brothers from 1983 and Night of the Sharks from 1988. Mm. So some fun ones for that. And then September. I don't think we've mentioned the September movies before, so we'll, we'll get into those, and you can watch ahead if you want to. September is our Secrets month. Secrets. Secrets. Mm-hmm. secrets. I turned into Elmer Fudd there for a second. <laughs> Too many, many secrets. Many. <laughs> Many secrets, many secrets will be revealed. <laughs> I don't know why, here. Jeff, but man, the way you just delivered that—that's like <laughs> so good. That's like my polishing the bowling ball moment. Oh my go. gosh! <laughs> Too many secrets. Let, huh? let me tell you about the secrets we're going to talk about in September, <laughs> and the Patreon charts. <laughs> so we've got our page. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, our Patreon oh. episode for the month of September is one that is hitting its 40th anniversary. It is Return of the Jedi. So we're going to be talking that one. Dun, dun, uh. I've seen that one. A yeah. couple times. Couple times. I know a few things about it. Uh, the shorts for that month are going to be Scarface from 1983 and Somewhere Tomorrow from 1983. I dare you to do a Patreon short on Scarface. I dare you to make Scarface a short. <laughs> okay, challenge accepted. I triple dog dare you. Oh, well, that's a slight breach in etiquette, but I'll go for it. Okay. And then our regular episodes for the month of September are the Secrets theme, and that is Rising Sun, Batman, Mask of the Phantasm, Mrs. Doubtfire, and Schindler's List. Oh, well, there, there's a collection for you. Yeah, that's it. Eclectic mix of movies, if I've ever seen one. Right. Because wow. let's do Batman Mask of the Phantasm and Mrs. Doubtfire and Schindler's List all in the same month. <laughs> because why not? Along it's just with, fun to say Mask of the Phantasm. Along with a Patreon short on Scarface. I'd like to introduce you to a widow friend of mine. Uh, <laughs> say hello to my widow friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Let's put Elmer Fudd in every movie. Maybe, yeah, maybe I, I do. Just, Okay, so here's the challenge that's accepted. Maybe I do a Scarface. It's a double challenge since you triple dog dared me. I do a Patreon short on Scarface, and I talk like Elmer Fudd the entire time. I All of this is a good idea. All of this is a good idea. Challenge triply accepted. <laughs> Too many sin Jeff. I'm still laughing at that. Oh, my God. Too many sequins. <laughs> and there it is. There we go. Oh, oh man. Boy Tech Astronomy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Well, as always, oh, gents, man. thanks for being here. Thanks for talking movies. Yeah, thank you, John. Mountain, you have a phone call. It's your mother. <laughs> when are we talking about that movie? We're already past that movie. When are we talking about that movie again? <laughs> right now, apparently. Yeah. I was going to say, right now. Oh. When will then be now? Soon. Soon. All right. Everybody, be excellent to each other and go watch some good movies.